know, if we want to do this again in tax time, we can try something different. And you brought like a six-inch book with you, too, that we, you didn't have to go through. That's a summary. <laughs> Hi, I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. And this is What Should You Ask? Right, so today we are talking about all things tax related, right? We both canceled our root canal appointments and we're going to talk about taxes instead. It's about an even trade. You know, when I get a letter from the IRS, it's like I almost break out in a cold sweat. Oh, I know. You know? Even like a change of address letter or something. You don't know what it is. Like, yeah, why, why are they contacting yeah. me? I don't want to hear from these people. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd, do you file your tax return right on time? Are you an extension kind of guy? No, you know, I mean, I'm a look, I'm an accountant by trade. So I'm I'm a little meticulous and I keep fairly good records. So I'm, I would, I like to file it early just to, to know if I owe any money. Oh yeah. I want mine prepared early. I may now, if I, I may not date my check till April 15, but I absolutely want to know how much I owe. What about the first paycheck you got where they took out taxes? Do you remember that? I was working at Bonanza. I made $3 and 35 cents an hour. And I got my first paycheck and I'd already calculated what 335 times Times. 25 or whatever my hours were. And I sat there just kind of dumbfounded that the numbers didn't match. Yeah. I had a very similar experience at Kroger um, bagging groceries. And I mean, man, you talk about, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to prepare my kids for that because you talk about. Oh, I'm not going to tell mine. (laughs) We see a number of clients uh, who are small business owners that really get themselves in a significant financial bind because of unpaid taxes. And I think the number one mistake that they make is they they want to wait all the way till it's time to file their return to pay any yeah. taxes in. Look, I, I tell people, you know, you make quarterly estimates based yep. on last year. And look, we get to the end of the year and you overpaid a little bit, you know, you, you can get that back. But it, it's it's awful hard for small business owners to come up with a big lump sum at one time. Yeah, all at once. Yeah, I, I would agree. Make make payments and then try to sock a little bit of money away. You know, one of the most common deductions that I think people have taken in the past and, and really probably been a little too liberal with are charitable deductions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure you, you obviously you and I both support a number of charities, yeah. including our churches. And um, it, I, I, you can't you can't give a 15 uh, year old couch and get a five thousand dollar deduction. You can't. It was leather, though. It was leather. <laughs> <laughs> we donate things that we don't use anymore. But most of the time we try to get that receipt for a tax sure, deduction. I, you know, that's the key is if you're going to give things to charity, you've got to have the receipt. Yep. I think that's one of the IRS's uh, hot buttons that they look at are people with undocumented charitable contributions. Yeah. You know, Sam, we have a number of clients that come in and and uh, their delinquent taxes are causing them a considerable amount of stress. What do you think the what what's the main message you want to get it, you want to convey when people come in with that situation? So when folks come in with that problem, what I really want to tell them, provided that they've timely filed their tax returns, is I tell them that we've got to get in communication with the taxing authority, whether it's the IRS or the Kentucky Department of Revenue, to come up with a plan to repay it. Yeah. And, you know, I just want people to know when they're in that situation that, one, 
there is a way out. Absolutely. And we can we can help them deal with that and, and, it, and don't let it don't let it overburden you. Yeah, cuz in some in certain situations those taxes are dischargeable in things like a bankruptcy, for example. Sure. If they meet certain qualifications, a lot of a lot of our clients in our law practice they don't think taxes taxes are dischargeable in bankruptcy whatsoever, but that is not necessarily the case. Life doesn't stop just because you're injured. In fact, life keeps going on around you and gets tougher. If you find yourself incapacitated or otherwise unable to go about normal life because of an accident, it's time to talk to attorneys Farmer and Wright. Don't delay. The sooner you file your personal injury lawsuit, the better. Farmer and Wright have helped people just like you get compensation for their medical bills, lost wages, property damage, and other costs. Fight for what's yours. Talk to Farmer and Wright today. Go online to FarmerWright, that's right with a W, dot com. Welcome back. I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. Thanks for joining us on What Should You Ask? Today we have Chip Cox, who's a certified public accountant and a certified financial planner. And from Chip, looking through your bio, it looks like you had over 30 years in accounting. Is that right? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, since, <laughs> since almost the beginning of time. Chip, yeah, right? so it uh, feels that way. Chip manages a number of uh, clients, and whether it's accounting and finance, and assists with their taxes. And the tax code seems to always be changing. So we thought it would be a good idea to get someone on here today to talk about some of the things you may or may not be aware about. That's right. So let's start with some basics, Chip. First of all, does every human in America have to file a tax return? No. Okay. So how do you, when do you, when do you know you've got to file a return? Basically, if you're self-employed, in other words, work for yourself, if you have over $600 of income, then you get the file. $600 a year? Yes. So if you help clean houses, you got to file. Right. Okay. Right. As long as you have that self-employment income, it's $600. Okay. So how does that work? Like, let's say you've got a high school kid. Do they file a separate return? Or do they are they on their parents' return? How does that work? To give a very simplistic answer, they file their own return. Got it. If the income is interest and dividends, those type of things, they can file on their parents' return. Okay. Depending <clears throat> on their age. There's no easy answers in tax. No, you sound like a lawyer. Uh, so explain to us like married filing jointly, married filing separate. Talk to us about that kind of stuff. Like, what if somebody's spouse owes back child support or their ways that they can they should file? If you're married, it's whatever your status is as of December 31st. So if you get married during the year, you're married for the whole year. Okay. If you get divorced during the year and you're divorced as of 1231, you're divorced for the whole year. Practically, you've probably practically been divorced the whole year anyway, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> practically speaking. But... Uh, as long as the married filing jointly, typically, um, I'm thinking in the years I've been practicing, I've had very, you know, a handful of clients that uh, it's better for them to file separately. Than jointly. Okay. But if you have certain situations such as the student loan debt, things like that, it may be beneficial to file separately, even though you'll pay more tax. The questions that we came up with about certain deductions you can claim if you take the standard deduction versus the itemized deduction. Is there like a simplistic explanation you can give to listeners? As I said, tax, there's no simple answer. Basically, several years ago, every married client, every married taxpayer 
you've got to start out $24,000. It's indexed for inflation where that's the standard deduction. Okay. Is that is that per person or per married couple? Per married couple. Per couple. Okay. And it's half of that for a single. Got it. So uh, most people most people probably don't have more deductions than 24,000. So the correct. standard deduction probably works for most people. For most people on the federal return, yes. Now we're talking Kentucky return. The answer is you get to deduct charitable contributions, mortgage interest, and you know, most people file standard deduction on federal, but itemize on state. In our law practice that we own, we represent small business owners and t- truck drivers and contractors and roofers. You, you, everybody talks about what they're going to write off, write off. I mean, <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you really supposed to be able to write off, Chip? If you have your own business, it's a whole different answer. Okay. But as most people have W-2 income, work for somebody else, there's very little that you can write off anymore. So if you're a W-2 employee and you're driving to driving 20 miles to work and back every day, can you deduct mileage, Chip? What about the cost of uniforms? No. Non-reimbursed employee expenses are not deductible. I'm the anti-pack rat. I really get a lot of enjoyment out of throwing stuff away. I don't know that sounds odd, but I'd love to throw stuff away. Once, once a year, at least. I go <laughs> we on will a, both be in this office on like a Saturday morning. And I mean, we are throwing things out, keyboards, cords. If it's not nailed down. It's gone. It's gone. You need to come to my house, my my office then. So so on that note, if we, if we like to get rid of things and we like to keep things organized, how long... Do you recommend that people keep like receipts and and all that from their taxes? How long should people keep their tax information? Okay, nothing simple. Remember, sure. Most people, I tell them at least three years. The IRS can go back three years. So right now, let's say you got twenty nineteen and eighteen, and up until April fifteenth, you know you got twenty one. Mm-hmm. You know, so that first year drops off on April fifteenth. So I say at least three years. So the other day I was cleaning out a cabinet to move some furniture around and I had a file that had all my old tax returns in it. And I found my first tax return that I ever filed was in, in your box. life. Uh, the, when I got my first job. Oh, you're kidding. Out of school. And huh, I found framable. my tax return. <laughs> no well, kidding. You know, no wonder I was so skinny. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. There's no telling where my I ought to get a tax transcript from the IRS just to see how much I earned. Well, you get I, that every year of Social Security. Oh, does it does it break down the years of my earnings? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if somebody this is a good point for our listeners. So if somebody wanted to see a breakdown, I think they can go to my socialsecurity.gov or something. Right. And set up an account and uh it has your earnings by year. And I suggest people do that. You know, every year. I feel like it, well, I, I got a common myth that you hear that I had a, a family member used to tell me he never wanted to file an extension because he was afraid he'd get audited. And there's more likely to get audited if he files an extension. Well, some people say just the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, audit is the IRS is very good on that point and that they do not let you know what kicks out an audit. But generally, you know, in the county profession, we think it's more if something is well out of line. From prior filings. Prior filings. Or the national average norms. norms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're deducting your 
you're, you know, you've got your dog as an employee and, you know, those kind of things, you know. Was I not supposed to get my dog a social security number? No. <laughs> Back in the 80s is when they required you starting to put a social security number for your children on the return. And the number of dependents in this country dropped dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little funny story. Uh, that's great. Um, what are some expenses people typically forget to include in their return? Again, with the new standard deduction amounts, it changes. But in the past, it's been things like taxes on their autos. Um, that's always a trick. You always email me about that, Chip. I've gotten better. But I typically get an email from Chip that says, hey, give me your auto tax. That's receipt. historically is the one. But, you know, contributions is very important. And last year and this year, you get to have a deduction for contributions. It's a small amount, but it's called above the line. You know, in order to get to your taxable income, you can deduct like $300 of charitable contributions. So we've got to know that. You know, I, as a tax preparer, I can't assume that you make that charitable contribution. You've got right. to tell me that. Right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Chip will be answering our questions regarding the upcoming tax season, what to do if you owe taxes, and possibly we'll even discuss the new child tax credit. This is What Should You Ask? Social Security Disability is supposed to be a safety net. It's supposed to help people who are in great physical or mental distress. But Social Security Disability is frustratingly difficult to navigate. And that's where Farmer and Wright can help. Attorneys Farmer and Wright are experts at helping people just like you get the compensation you deserve. If you or a family member are having trouble getting Social Security disability benefits, contact Farmer and Wright today. Online at FarmerWright, that's right with a W, dot com. Welcome back. I'm Todd Farmer. And I'm Sam Wright. Thanks for joining us on What Should You Ask? So today we've got Chip Cox, a CPA with over 30 plus years of experience, both business and personal finance and taxes. Right, Chip? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a big thing that's been the news really a lot this year, and I think has really made a significant impact on a number of people with the changes in the child tax credit. First of all, what is the child tax credit and, and, and how did that change yeah, last change? Well, the change is there was an amount change, but the main thing was that the IRS is prepaying you for that credit. And notice I said prepaying. It's going to be a reconciliation process on the return. I've not seen a draft of the return. Uh, this is just stuff that they've put out in advance, and uh, but it will be a reconciliation process. So if you have a child this year that you didn't have last year, then you'll get the full credit. So you used to get the credit when you filed your taxes, like in, say, March or And that's April. still going to be the worst case scenario. Otherwise, though, so they started giving, basically giving people some of that money in advance starting in July of last year. Exactly right. And so, so if you, let's say that you were going to get $4,000 back on your child tax credit, if you've been getting $300 a month this year for $3,600, you're essentially only going to get $400 more. Is that right? Right. Okay. But the thing, I've had clients call, well, I got the payment in July, but I didn't get one in August. And I got one in September. What do I do? I missed, I didn't get that payment. Again, it's going to be a reconciliation process. So clients are going to have to tell me, I've got five payments of $300. There's going to be a bunch of people that go to file their taxes expecting to get 
a large, a, a large refund yeah. and they got it in advance. Yep. That's yeah, important. Exactly to know. right. And, you know, typically, guess who they get mad at is the tax preparer. You know, I've got another uh, myth. I've had a number of clients over the years that they owed taxes and they knew they were going to owe taxes. And I would ask them to see a copy of their returns and they would say, you know, I couldn't file my taxes because I couldn't pay them. Because I owed money. My experience has been file the return. There are several penalties. There's a penalty for not filing. There's a penalty of not paying. And then there's interest. So if you file the return, that penalty for not filing does not exist. And contrary to what most people think is IRS will work with you. I hate to say they're the nicest guys in the world, but, you know, just like anybody else, if you communicate with them, if you are honest with them, yeah. they'll work with you. They won't, you know, automatically come and take your house. But they don't like it when you don't tell them exactly your income and how much how much tax. See, you I, exactly. I don't like. That. I was going a different direction. The old Ronald Reagan quote: "The most dangerous words in the English language." I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Well, there's some truth <laughs> to that, but at the same time, um, they're more understanding if if you file the return and say I can't pay. You can set up a payment plan. They'll give you, uh, I think, even five years to make those payments, you know, over a time period. You know, a number of people will go to uh, either a, a, I'll call it, I'm just going to call it a tax preparer. There are a number of tax preparers only, you know, H&R Block, Jackson, there's a number of them out there that sort of come in town, open up shop. And Walmart. Do some taxes and leave. Why should somebody choose a CPA over using what I'll call a tax preparer? Well, CPAs typically are here year-round. You know, my clients, I want them to call with questions. And most of your places like H&R Block, those, they give you a number to contact, but you may not see the person. The ones the IRS is trying to close is, you know, the little old man, little old lady down the street that prepares 10 returns a year, and typically they're not right. Typically there's mistakes on them. It's amazing. I'll get a client every year that, well, so-and-so e-filed my return and come to find out it's never been filed. Right. And so, you know, what you want to ask is things like, if there's a question in September, are you going to be here? Right. Um, is you know, if I get a letter from the IRS, what happens? And uh, you know, most of your CPA practices, we're here. Most of your licensed IRS practices, and when I say that, it's enrolled agents and even the H and R blocks. Uh, they're going. Somebody will be here. You know, I, a lot of a lot of clients in the law office that we have, they when I say you need to go to a CPA and have your tax return prepared, they get they get incredibly nervous about how much CPA is going to charge. And I've looked at the fees from some of the tax preparers and I know some of the fees of CPAs and I mean, the CPA isn't, isn't more expensive than the Well, tax. and you know, I like, I like dealing with the same person. I, you know, yeah. I like to get to know people and I like to deal with the same person each year, you know, versus starting over fresh with somebody different. And that's year. the same with me because, you know, my clients, uh, typically I see them every year. You know, I know they have a, what's your new child, you know, I know beforehand some of the questions to ask. Right. So what what happens if I owe back taxes? What happens if, you know, I took money out of an IRA and forgot to withhold or I owe some back taxes? Will the IRS work with you? Yes. You know, they will collect their money, but they will work uh, with 
payment plans and things like that. Again, communication is the key. And, you know, when you call, get a letter, I call them love letters from the IRS, you know, make sure you respond. (laughs) That's not what I call them. Yeah, I don't call them that either. It's like a blood pressure check for me. Right. But, you know, the main thing is don't throw it in a pile and six months later, oh, I got this letter. You know, I've gotten clients bring them in, they're a year old, and it's like, there's nothing we can do. So stay within their time frames, communicate with them. I mean, communicate even stuff like, I need more time. Right. And things like that. So the worst thing is, again, not to respond. Tell me what does an audit look like? From the IRS. What's it start with? Does it start with a letter? Do they come knocking at your door or what? The IRS is 100% by letter. So when you get the phone call about, I'm from the IRS, uh, you need to do this, just hang up. That's a scam. Basically, letters only. And typically, if you filed a joint return, uh, the husband and the wife will get the same letter. Mm. So you'll get two letters. And uh, in the letter, they'll say, we're examining these items. Todd, you get to dig back in your files and find all those receipts. And we tie them in the numbers. In my practice, again, I don't know how the CPAs practice. I'd rather the client not go to the audit with me. The reason for that is I want to tie in all the numbers. But then the IRS has a litany of questions Mm -hmm. that they have to ask the taxpayer. So guess what? If the taxpayer is not there, they can't ask those questions. Gotcha. A funny war story. Several years ago, I had a guy got audited. It's back when auto mileage was the big deal. Mm-hmm. And we had the auto mileage and, you know, we went in and I presented to the IRS guy and uh, I told the client, I don't want to go. And he's like, I'm going, I'm going. I said, well, keep your mouth shut. Don't say a word. And so we, we got to the mileage and uh, it was pretty well. He was like, oh, everything looks good. Then he turned around to the client and asked him one question and we ended up losing the whole audit. So I don't want the client there. <laughs> I would be fine with that advice, wouldn't you, Todd? <laughs> so for whatever reason, let's say I got behind on taxes or I forgot to file taxes. Can you still file old tax returns? Like yes. let's say I forgot 2018. Can you still go back and file? Oh, very much so. I mean, I've had some back in the 90s. You've heard about the three-year statute limitations, and William talked about that a few minutes ago. There is no statute if the return's not been filed. Even if you are a taxpayer that you don't have to file a return, I always suggest file something because then that kicks that three-year statute into place. If you have a return from the 90s that you never filed and the three-year statute is still there, and it's amazing, I've had some that they have refunds they never filed. Yeah, you know, we see that sometimes in our business where folks, they, they won't file a couple of years and then they think they are just there in the ditch. And then they're like, well, I, I don't want to file any more returns for the rest of my life. And you tell them you can, go, you can go file returns. Do you have ways of working with people like if they can't remember how much they made or anything like that? You just do the best, you know, the best guess scenario. Okay. I usually try to put that in the return that we're estimating this based on these facts. And again, the IRS... They may have other means to tell you the right numbers. Mm-hmm. And I've seen where we've estimated too high. high and they come back and say, no, it was really this. But the one thing about filing late returns is that three-year statute, you may not get your refund if it's after that three years. All right. So, Chip, thanks for joining us today. So if you're in a situation where you need help filing taxes, you're behind on filing or need help on assisting with what back taxes you might owe, you'd be able to help folks with that. Right, Chip? 
Yes, I would, and probably pretty much any CPA. Good deal. Um, I don't know if the tax repair pl- uh, places like Jackson Hewitt or H&R Block would do that, but I know CPAs, uh, you know, I've got the programs on my computer for many, many years. Right. And that AICPA, that organization, they probably, that you can probably find a CPA through that website too, I bet, right? Yes. Okay. And or we'll, just phone book or Google. Cool. And we'll post that information on our, uh, on the uh, website portion of the podcast. Well, thanks again, Chip, for coming in. Well, thank y'all. If you like what you've heard, make sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to where you listen to podcasts. If you loved what you heard, then leave us a review where you listen and tell anybody that we're at whatshouldyouask.live, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we ask what should you ask about life topics, so make sure you come back to hear about what we're asking. What Should You Ask is hosted by Todd Farmer and Sam Wright. The producer is Jennifer Caldwell. Visit whatshouldyouask.live to download additional episodes, suggest a future topic, or get a free book from the host. The information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as legal advice on any subject matter. You should not act or refrain from acting based on any content mentioned without seeking legal or other professional advice in your area. The hosts, guests, and sponsors remove themselves from all liability for actions you take or fail to take based on any content in this broadcast.